Prospect promotions. Matthew Liebertor, Nolan Gorman, and Adley Rutschman. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with all the uh, odds, props, and lines than ever before because Bet Online is where the game starts. Talking about the game starting, three different top prospects. Uh, Got the call to the show this weekend. Uh, the Cardinals called up Nolan Gorman, debuted on Friday night playing second base. Uh, and then to go along with that, his best friend from childhood, Matthew Liebertor, got called up to make the start on Saturday. At the same time that Lieb- that Liebertor is starting, uh, the, the Baltimore Orioles called up uh what some people are calling baseball's number one prospect and Adley Rutschman. Uh, we are not doing that solely because this is a Bobby Witt podcast, but uh, Adley Rutschman makes his debut in Camden Yards versus the Rays uh, Saturday and Sunday. So how did it go? Let's start off with Nolan Gorman. So Nolan Gorman's in there uh, playing second base. First night, one for three, scores a run, gets a walk. Um, originally was not supposed to play on Saturday. They had a lefty on the mound. He was um, initially sitting on the bench for the matchup. And then there were some injuries. They lost a, they lost an outfielder during the game. A lot of moving around had to be done. Tommy Edmond went from second to the outfield. They put Nolan Gorman in, I think, in like the third or fourth inning. And he played the rest of the game. Uh, he went one for two with a strikeout on Saturday. And then on Sunday... Huge day, three for five, uh, collects an RBI, walks as well. So he came up six times. Just absolute massive performance from Nolan Gorman. And I would assume he's not going to leave now, that you're going to have him there. You've got Tommy Edmond who can play short. We talked about this a few weeks ago on the show. There's places you can do to keep his bat in the lineup. He's an obviously extremely, extremely small sample size, but... He's not struggled with the adjustment to big league pitching. So absolutely, it's fine. I get it. Let's leave him there. Let's let him do um, what he does. And it's something where you saw that where he struggled the year that he was getting drafted, right? So he struggled He struggled, uh, struggled before he got signed, drafted, went ahead and signed. And then he, you know, I think it was 2019, he came in and like, inside the top 50 and has been there the entire time. And I think they kind of it kind of showed where yeah, yeah, there's a there's a reason why he was believed to be such a good prospect, obviously. Um the strikeout rate's a little bit higher than you'd like, but for the most part, I mean, you're getting the quality of contact that he's getting with the plus plus raw power. You're fine with it. I mean, I he's probably going to hit somewhere. He's probably going to have a line of like 260, 355, 20 when it's all said and done. Uh, which is really nice in the middle infield. Um, now, defensively, he's going to be a work in progress. Uh, I think it's something where 
He's probably going to be below average to average, but if you're getting that kind of offensive production and then you can do positioning and things like that to alleviate it, you can make it work. So he's probably going to stay at second, and I imagine he's staying staying up for a while. Um, Edmund Gorman for your double play tandem isn't the platonic ideal of a double play tandem, but it's good enough. And that, you know, especially if you have a ton of of, uh, folks hitting a ton of power coming out of this lineup, with a Goldschmidt, with an Arenado, things like that, you may take um, a 263-55-20 line from a Nolan Gorman and run with it. Uh, the day after, you know, the day after he may, had his first start, Matthew Lerator debuts. A little bit of a rocky outing: four and two thirds, seven hits, four runs, two walks, five strikeouts, through eighty-eight pitches. And the thing there was his command wasn't exceptional. And I mean the. The thing with Matthew with Matthew Libertor that we've we've talked about on the show in the past is he very much kind of has an average velocity for a lefty. He can reach back and get mid nineties when he needs to, but for the most part, he's sitting low nineties. He has that classic uh, control over command profile. Um, he's got a a, a mid eighty slider. He can throw it for a strike. He can pull it out of the strike zone, make you chase it, get a, gets a lot of weak contact on it. Decent curve, but really the curve's just there to uh, give you something different to look at. And then uh, changeup really tunnels well off the slider. So that slider changeup combo is really kind of his thing. Um, he's one of those guys, we talked about this before, he's one of those guys, he's just this, you know, greater than the sum of his parts. These four pitches together are not anything amazing, but when you put them together with a guy who can control them well, he ends up being an effective pitcher. And this is something where I don't know. I mean, he's starting 164 innings in AAA. He doesn't need to be there anymore. I see him as a back into your rotation, maybe a three if everything works right for them. Uh, but it's just something where, for right now, enjoy being in the same clubhouse as Adam Wainwright. Enjoy throwing the audio Molina. Learn as much as you can. He's that classic pitch ability guy where he understands how to attack a hitter. And even though it's stuff's not overwhelming, he's going to stick around for a decade. So you feel good about that. And then the big one, uh, the big kahuna, Adley Rutschman. The, uh, you know, whenever a 1-1 makes it to the show, it's always noteworthy. And there's a great video going around from Saturday of Rutschman walking out right before the first inning's about to start. And he just kind of does a 360. Just looking around, checking out Camden Yards. And then squats out and gets to work. And that's kind of how it went. Um, one for three on Saturday. His hit was a uh, was the third at, well, he walked as well. But his his triple, I want to say it was in like the seventh or seventh or eighth inning, but yeah, seventh inning. He hits a triple for his first major league base hit. So uh, same first hit that Manny Machado had, same first hit that Matt Wieters had. Really interesting how this kind of keeps happening to the Orioles. But no, he puts one into the right field corner. Uh, the outfielder cannot seem to pick the ball up. Uh, I, I think he tries to grab it and, and go throw it in and doesn't actually have it yet. And I, I don't remember exactly off the video, but it almost looked like he was trying to pick it up with the glove versus the bare hand. And this is one of those things that I just remember from Bill Ripken. Like, if the ball is not moving, you pick it up with your bare hand, um, not with the glove. So, But anyway, one for three, triple to walk. Sunday goes one for three again, so he's now two for six on his career. And somebody asked me on Twitter the other day, 
Did I think that Rutschman and Gorman and Libertor not coming up was a service time thing? Um, either a year of service time or Super 2. And I think the answer to that is no. <clears throat> so look where they are right now. The way that you that the service time works on this um, is it takes 172 days to get a full year of service time. The Major League Baseball season's 187 days normally. This year, it's 182 because we lost some time because of the lockout. So if you're on the roster 172 days, you get a full year of service time, which means if you hold the guy down for 11 days, he's not going to get a full year. So that was a month ago. So the year of service time has been out the window for a while for these guys. The guys who are going to get the year unless they get sent down midseason, are a guy like a Bobby Witt, like a Julio Rodriguez, guys who were up here to start opening day or were up within the first week. So, and and this isn't a Super 2 thing, because the way that Super 2 works, and just a reminder on this, Super 2 is the 22% of players with more than two but less than three years of service time, they all go to arbitration a year, or they get an extra year they're eligible for arbitration. It's called Super 2 status. So, um, that's never a defined date, right? Because it's a percentage. It's always a floating target. Last year, it was around two years and 116 days of service time. So that, that comes out to June 6th. It's been as short as two years and 115 days to as high as two years and 134. So the latest date you've seen in Super 2 was June 10th. That was players who debuted in 2017. The earliest you've seen, it's May 25th for 2016 debut guys. So if you debuted on May 21st, you'll end with two years and 38 days of service time. The last time somebody who debuted on that date was not a Super 2 player was 2013. It's not a moving target, but the fact that they are in the window between service time deadline and Super 2 deadline tells me that this wasn't necessarily a manipulation thing because if it was service time manipulation, you'd have called them up three weeks ago. If this was Super 2 manipulation, you'd have held them down another three weeks. So the fact that they came up right here tells me that this is something, unless you plan to send them back down to the minors at some point in time, this is legitimately a we thought they were ready and we thought they can help this ball club. And that is a thing that you absolutely love to see. And in just a minute, I want to get to, I guess we have some Great questions in the mailbag this week. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. And I love brownies, okay? But what I love even more than brownies is brownie batter. And like when we're making brownies at the house with the kids, sometimes I'll just eat some of the batter. Imagine if you could lick the brownie spatula clean and increase your daily intake of protein. You're in luck because Built has a new creation, and this one's even better than ever. It is the Brownie Batter Puff. The Puff is a protein bar, or sorry, is a protein-infused marshmallow covered 100% real chocolate. This is a whole nother level of this. It's a brownie-flavored, chocolate-covered, protein-infused marshmallow. 140 calories, 7 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. It is absolutely fantastic. You are going to love eating this thing. The brownie batter puffs will have you completely forgetting that you are eating the protein bar. So go to built.com, get the brownie batter puffs now. 
While you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Okay, so some great questions here. First one comes from Jim on Twitter, and he asks, what ages correlate to what levels of the minor leagues? <coughs> Apologize for the coffin. And so this is a really interesting one because age is very important context to have. But it's not in and of itself, like age compared to level, it's not an indicator of success. Okay, so typically, and this does get skewed, and I'm going to kind of explain how this gets skewed. Let me give you the numbers first and then kind of explain it. So typically, your average single A player is 21 years old. Your average high A player is 23. Your average double A player is 24. And your average triple A player is 26. Now. Again, I mentioned there's important context to have here. Some of the context on this is when you talk about the age of the average single-A player, there's really two groups of single-A players, right? So there is the draftee from last year who came out of high school. He's 19 years old. And you're giving him an aggressive promotion and putting him in full-season ball versus him being in a complex league or something. Uh, so that brings the average age down a bit. Um, the second outlier there is at the other end, the AAA level. And we've talked about this on the show before. A is where you get the majority of your development of players. You're there to get better. Winning games is great, but you're there to get better. And they're there to teach you to get better. AAA, the job of the AAA team is to do what it needs to do to help the big league club win. So AAA is not about player development first. It's about the big league team winning first, player development second. AA is about player development first. So AAA, a lot, uh, some of the guys on your roster in AAA, you're probably going to have your, your veteran backup catcher. That third guy who is... Hanging around, he's played for eight teams in the last 12 years, and you've got him in case you deal with some catastrophic injuries on the big league club, you have him. You usually have a veteran utility infielder who can play all over the infield. He needs everyday reps, but he's not going to get him at the big league level while all your guys are healthy. So you keep him at AAA, he plays every day. When something happens, you call him up. You're going to have veterans on minor league deals, pitchers especially. Where it's a guy, maybe he maybe he left the States and went over to play in Korea for a while or Japan for a while. And now you're bringing him back over because he pitched well over there. And you think he might be able to contribute for you down the road. So, AAA is skewed because your average prospect in AAA isn't 26. Your average player in AAA is 26. And then... Again, age is an important context, but being young for a level is not like is not in and of itself an indicator of success. So, if you are a 19-year-old in AA, that doesn't automatically mean that you're good. That may be something where that's I mean, like they put you there for a reason. Uh, they may have put you there because they have guys behind you that need to be at a lower level. Uh, that may like it's. Let me caveat this. Being young can be a good thing if you're doing well. 
being like if you are pitching well, Yuri Perez in the Southern League, Double A. If Yuri Perez is pitching well in Double A at 19 years old, that is a good thing. So let's clarify there. Just the fact that you're at that level at a young age in and of itself does not mean you are good. If you are playing well at that young age, that means more. Being old for a level can also have issues. If you are 24 years old and you are in single A and you are hitting, let's say your your WRC plus is 110. Well, guess what? You're three years older than the average player in single A. Some of these kids were in high school a year or two years ago. You're supposed to be better than them. So being old for a level can, can sometimes be a bad thing because you're expected to do well. And so the floor, the floor is higher for you because you're expected to be better than the average player because you're old for that level. Um, there's a reason why there's so many times you hear them talk about a guy when it comes to the draft. This is a great thing for tomorrow's show. You hear folks talk about, yeah, well, he's already 24. He's the age of your average AA player. He's going to need to hit as soon as he gets to, hopefully he's assigned a high A coming out of the draft. He's going to need to hit quickly because age-wise, he's older than everybody there. He's supposed to be hitting. He really, age-wise, should be in double A. So, interesting question. Really good, Jim. Thank you for that. Um, And in just a minute, I've got another question about a specific prospect that I want to get to you, uh, somebody in the Rangers organization. Okay, question from Big3PC on Twitter, and he asks, how likely is it that Evan Carter develops plus power, and if he does, what's his upside? Okay, so I'm going to be honest. I already like Evan Carter (laughs) without the plus power. Okay, so backstory here on Evan Carter. Um, 2020 draft out of high school, and a kid that didn't get to do a lot of showcases and travel ball and all that kind of stuff, so it was kind of quiet. The amateur scouting department uh, identified him early. They were able to get him, uh, and he played well. He opened the year last year as the youngest position player on a full-season roster Um, at age 18. Funny, we just talked about this. Uh, but he had a hairline fracture in his back and his year got cut short. So uh, they were excited about that. He is back this year. He is playing again this year. He had gone through low A last year. 32 games, batted 236, 438, 387. So the power wasn't necessarily where you wanted it. Um, 25 hits did have 11 extra base hits, eight homers, a triple, two home runs. Uh, walked more than he struck out. All things that you love to see from any prospect. Never mind somebody who was 18 years old in professional baseball where the average age in single A is 21, right? So, um, again, got hurt, lost some time. He's back now. He is playing in high A. And offensively, very good at at, at controlling the strike zone. Very good at identifying what's going to be in the zone and out of the zone. And you can rarely get him to chase a pitch. Um, kind of selective when he swings, but when he does swing, he makes quality contact. Average exit velos just over 91 miles an hour, which is impressive in general, but especially when you look at a guy that is 19 years old 
um, yeah, that is that is 19 years old in the league that he's in. So feel really good about that. Uh, something where there was a question about it because you didn't necessarily have any track record of of him doing stuff in high school. Um, but play center field, as so many outfielders do when you draft a young outfielder, um, has has very good speed, very good instincts. I think he can stick in center. I think the arm is good enough where he could play either corner if you ended up having to move him out of center. If you had to move him to a to a corner, you can put him in right because the arm is average to maybe above average. And that's something I think my very first show when I took over, uh, my very first episode when I took over the show, I, we talked about um, Josh Smith. And I said Josh Smith may end up getting moved to center field for the Rangers. But... Yeah, Carter is absolutely a guy. And and right now, as a 19-year-old in high A, where again, the average age is 23, uh, he's batting 302, 373, 508, four homers in his 38 hits across 30 games. And so to me, as of right now, this kind of projects out to about 20 homer power. And this kind of gets into the actual question that was being asked is, can he develop plus power and what's his upside if he does? So at 19 years old, 6'4", 190, I think that there's a path there, a development path to put on 15 to 20 pounds onto that frame. I mean, you, he could easily go from 190 to 210 and be fundamentally the same player, not lose too much speed, not lose too much um, contact ability, reflexes, things like that. And if he can make that good weight, most of that being good weight, I do think there's the ability to go from a 20 homer per year thing to a 25, maybe a 30. If you were to take Evan Carter and say, all right, he's a 20 homer guy. Now he's a 30 homer guy. I think he goes from the number eight prospect in the system to probably the number three prospect in the system. Uh, Because if he's a center fielder who can hit 30 home runs, uh, as well as walking more than he strikes out, um, hitting over 300. I mean, you're looking at a player who's uh, a perennial all-star. And I'm I'm not necessarily saying that he is going to be that. I'm saying if you give me a center fielder that can play um, above average defense in center, can hit 30 bombs, and offensively, and if you assume a little bit of regression as he advances up in in, in levels... If he can hit 280 with 30 bombs, um, on base percentage of 350, 30 home runs at center field, uh, he's an all-star. I mean, that's he he's an all-star if he does that. So I think a lot of this is going to depend on what Evan Carter does as far as physical maturation, um, what he chooses chooses to focus on as far as nutritionally, weight room things like that, and can he find a way to add healthy muscle without slowing down or without hurting his game? If he can do that, then top three prospect in the system, probably a top 100 in baseball, and a perennial all-star if he can do that. Big question is, can he do that? It's not always easy for somebody to just pop on 20 pounds of, um, of muscle, so we'll see what can happen. If you have a question for the show... I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Um, we'll get to your questions next Monday. We do this every single Monday. But until then, this 
has been Locked on MLB Prospects.